We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You may have noticed there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. So that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9 a.m. meeting? It isn't beer. It's Liquid Death. So why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle. Trust me. Plus, it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with three grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast, the antithesis of a victory Monday, the deflating end of the season loss to the Lions. Monday. I hope you're all doing well. This is the Pack a Day podcast. I, of course, am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thankfully, ever so thankfully, I am joined by Perry Goldstein and Alex Strofe to break everything down to, you know, have all of our tears go into one bucket so that we don't have to lose track of them. Perry, I will start with you. I'd ask how you're doing, but I know how you're doing. Um, so let me just ask you, what the hell? This team is so bad. We are watching bad football in every sense of the word. And I know we were talking about this a little bit pre-show, but I wasn't even surprised. Like the Packers losing this game and doing it in such ridiculously self-inflicted, bizarre fashion just felt fitting for this season. Like, of course, Aaron Rodgers would throw three interceptions today for the first time since I don't even know when. Of course, of course they would lose what, four or five players to, like, probably very serious injuries throughout this game. It just – it feels very par for the course at this point. I don't even know what to say about this. Like, this team is not a playoff team. They're not a good team. And I think the conversations that need to be ha- we need to be having now are, like, how do they attempt to right the ship for next season? Because, in my opinion, I think they're in a really horrible spot right now. Probably in, like, the worst middle ground spot that you could possibly create for this Packers team. So, it's all around quite bad. Alex, how about you? What the hell? 
What the hell? Uh, I hate that that's a question, but what the hell, Andy? Um, it's November 6th as we're recording, November 7th when this comes out. And to Perry's point, I just, I don't know, man. It's it's really unique being in this situation because we haven't been in such a long time. Typically, we're, we're used to the Packers season culminating in a disappointing loss in January uh, later than this two months from now, right? And here we are. November 7th, as this comes out and you're listening to it, uh, the season's over, right? Like, I I cannot find a way to positively spin this. Aaron Rodgers was asked in the postgame, you know, how do you view this one or how do you view being able to turn this around, right? How can you do it at this point? And I think he had about a a 17, 18-second pause before saying, I've been counted out before. I can't get behind it this year. The relax years were fun. The run the table years were fun. But after you throw three in receptions at Ford Field, I can't get behind it. And I can't get behind uh, Aaron Rodgers is bothering me, and I never thought we'd be at this point. It, it, everything's bad, Andy. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone out there, even Aaron Rodgers, who thinks this team is capable of peeling off seven wins in a row. Um, and then even if you do, you basically have to run the table from the playoffs from there. So like, uh, like, I don't think anyone's thinking they can go 11 and oh, much or seven and oh, much less 11 and oh. Uh, so yes, this was, I mean, going into the game, we're not, we're not revising any history here going into the game. This was it. Like you lose to the lions and you are dead in the water. There's no two ways around it. You've lost five in a row. Uh, you've lost to arguably the worst team in football, and maybe the biggest, and I mentioned this uh, post game in, in the Q and A I did as well. Maybe the biggest, um, just dagger to the heart is that this worst team in football, Detroit Lions team, didn't even play well. It's like one thing if like if like because we've seen this offense come out, this Detroit Lions offense come out and put up 30, 40 points on teams, right? And we've seen them, you know, kind of scratch and claw in games and just kind of be frisky and competitive, and they weren't. They weren't even good. Like, I mean, tip your tip your cap to the the fighting Dan Campbell's. You know, kudos to you guys for the win. The Packers are undefeated against themselves this year. Um, it's just a, like Perry said, it's bad football. It's a bad football team. I I can't speak to the locker room. I haven't been in the locker room. Um, obviously, I've I've been in the post game press conferences at games, and um, I've obviously been at. Uh, practices and I've seen this team up close in in person and and those sort of things. I haven't been in the locker room. I don't know what the vibe is in there. I can't speak to that, but I have eyes when I'm watching this team on Sundays and Mondays and whatever other day they're playing. This has got to be the most toxic team I have ever watched playing a football game in my history of watching football. I can't say sports because there are some teams in basketball right now that are uh, seriously threatening the toxicity of the Green Bay Packers. But uh, in football, I don't think I've ever seen a team quite like it, where you've got things that are just breaking down. They can't overcome adversity to any level of any extent. Like anything goes wrong, and this team just feels like it implodes even more. And to have this five-game losing streak right now, um, it, it's just – I don't even know how to put it in words. I literally don't know how to put it in words. It's just, it's all around bad, all around bad. All around bad. A uh, couple things. The Milwaukee Bucks are nine and now we have that to talk about if we want to go there. No, I'm kidding. Uh, look, uh, body language is one thing. And to your point, when you talk about toxicity, right? Like everybody looks unhappy. Uh, I cover the Wisconsin Badgers football team, right? That's, that's my day job. And that was the case with them early on in this season. And then they made a change. Somebody lost their job. The head coach of Wisconsin football lost their job. And yesterday, as we're recording, two days ago, Saturday, they won at Camp Randall Stadium. And it was the first game at home this season where they play the jump around, right? And they were moving around and jumping and being happy. Because there's been a change, there's been a total morale change. I I, I hate calling for jobs. I don't even know who's to call for, Andy. That's that's the day that, that Sunday was. But it's just so frustrating that the Packers have sunken to a point where they're three and six, the body language sucks, and the four-time MVP quarterback sucked, and they're throwing to offensive linemen, which he was open, but they're, they're, they're resorting to that play. They can't get anything done defensively. They held them to 15 points, but you can't ride home about that. I'm just angry. This is the first time in a long time, Perry, I've been angry at a Packers team. I mean, this was a disgusting game. It was just an all-around ugly game. I mean, the final line was 15-9. 
Like yeah. even the score is gross. And the worst part about this game, and Andy mentioned it, and I want to expand on it, is that the Packers completely outplayed the Lions. Like the offense was able to move the ball, and then Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions in the end zone, so zero points. They were able to convert a, a certain number of third downs. Like Jared Goff went 14 for 26, 137 yards yeah. and an interception. Like they, the lions did not play well and the Packers somehow played worse and they just, they can't complete anything. They can't punch it in. I remember on the first drive they're in the red zone right before that final interception and I'm thinking to myself, just kick the field goal. Like this team just needs points. Like I know that you really want to get ahead and being seven and zero feels a lot better, but you're playing the lions. Like you're probably going to win this game instead of if you, instead of going for it on fourth down, just kick the field goals. Like it's a really sad state, honestly, for an Aaron Rodgers led team for me as a fan knowing all the magic that he's brought to this team to think I'd just actually rather have Mason Crosby out there in this field goal unit, because I think they have a better shot of putting up points than the Packers offense does on fourth and goal line. And here, let's look at this Packers offense for a second on this day, because obviously uh, they score the nine points in the game, but these were five situations that this Packers offense had in this game. First and goal oh boy. from the Lions five yard line. They get zero points. First and goal from the five. First and goal from the Lions, one yard line. They get zero points. First and 10 from the Lions, 23 yard line. They get zero points. First and 10 from the Lions, 14 yard line. They get three points. First and 10 from the Lions, 17 yard line. They get zero points. Yeah. First and goal from the Lions, five. First and goal from the Lions, one. First and 10 from the Lions, 23. First and 10 from the Lions, 14. First and 10 from the Lions, 17 three points. They lost by six. First of all, you kick field goals in every single one of those situations. You obviously are making up the difference. But secondly, to, to the other point, if you, uh, if on one of the, besides the one that you got the field goal on, if on one of those other four drives, just one of the four, you get a touchdown, you're probably golden. Like you probably win this game, mm-hmm. which is like crazy too. So like here, here's the other thing that I said um, in, in the post game chat is we can talk all day about what's going wrong. But like when it comes to pointing fingers, it's near impossible to point at anything and be like, that's the thing. Yeah. GM front office, bad, has been bad, has not been good enough. Coaching, definitely bad, has not been good enough. Scheme, definitely bad, not been good enough. Like Joe Barry on the defensive side of the ball overall, in this game, we can't complain about it all that much, but overall in the scheme of things this season, not good enough. Aaron Rodgers, clearly, very clearly not good enough. Surrounding Aaron Rodgers with enough talent to be successful, not good enough. Offensive line, not good enough. You want to talk about um, just players individually and, and living up to expectations, whether it's Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Dar- you know, Devondre Campbell, Rodgers, uh, A.J. Dillon. Like, we could go on and on and on. Like, there is, there is very few things. There are very few things that you can point to and be like, yeah, that's going well. Like that, like that, they've got that down. Like what, what, what would we point to? Like Jones, when he touches the ball, usually yeah. good things happen. Um, yeah. Like everything else you can point blame at. And it's tough to point it at one thing and be like, that's, that's the thing. And so like, I think that's sometimes where like there are Packer apologists for different players or coaches or things like that, because you can shift blame any way that you want to shift blame. Like if you, if you think that this isn't Roger's fault, you can point to everything else and be like, well, look at everything else. And you're right. If you think like, Hey, you know, actually I think Joe Barry's doing a pretty darn good job. You can shift blame everywhere else. And like, look everywhere else, everything else sucks. Why is this on Joe Barry? The same thing can be for LaFleur and Gutekunst and everything, because there is so much blame to go around. And I guess the question I want to ask you guys, and I will start by saying, I do not have an answer, but and, and Aaron Rodgers was asked in his post-game press conference. I forget who asked the question, but basically like you won 13 games every year for the last three years. And now you've lost five straight and can't get a win to save your life. How does that happen? So Perry, I will ask you first, how do you go from being a team that in three seasons doesn't lose two games in a row uh. in regular season 
to now cannot get a win against one of the, if not the worst teams in football in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the worst defense in the league. The and put up nine, points. nine points against yeah. the not hyperbole, not one of the worst defense in the league. I I don't know. I think it's a confluence of things that have happened. I think points for uh, confluence, it, by the way. What? You get thank points you. for confluence. Yeah. Great word choice. Um, Impressive. Thank you. Um, I think it's obviously just a loss of talent. Um I think maybe some of the decisions about who they kept and who they didn't this offseason were poor. I mean, not even talking about Devontae. Like, this team misses MVS. They miss the field stretcher. I know Packers fans had a lot of problems with his dropped passes, quote-unquote. But, like, the dude defenses respected him, and he hit, like, 50% of the time. I mean, we're not even at 50% of the time. This team can't push the ball down the field. Not to mention, like, Rodgers can't push the ball down the field. Like, I think Rodgers has regressed, which I know, Andy, you just went on a whole spiel about how it's, like, blame all the way around. But, like, for me, Rodgers is a huge chunk of this. Like, when your MVP quarterback is playing mediocre at best and you're the whole premise of this season was basically bring Aaron Rodgers back and hope he can just like carry this kind of like quasi rebuild new young guy team with him and then all of a sudden your MVP quarterback is pretty much playing like Jared Goff it's not gonna work you're gonna be a bad football team um I think again like talent into this team didn't happen they signed Sammy Watkins he's done nothing they didn't add any new veterans injuries haven't helped I think they moved Adam Stenovich out of a position that he was like highly successful at into something that maybe he just wasn't ready for it it isn't the thing they lost Nathaniel Hackett who was clearly like the galvanizing guy this team has no one in this locker room to hype these guys up I don't know who this team like rallies around because it certainly isn't 12. And I don't think LaFleur is that guy either. I think they've gotten away from like the scheme that Matt LaFleur wants to run. I don't know what's happening there, but it's bland. Like where is all the creativity? Where are the bunches? Where are the stacks? Where's like the fun, like play action? Like they just go five wide with Samori Toure. Like I, I just, all of it. It's all of it. It's literally all of it. It's negative um talent it's not putting new talent in it's guys not developing properly like darnell savage and some of these other like second third year players it's it's pretty much all of the worst case scenarios Hit. happening all at once yep alex you have anything in? no that's really well said right i mean you you can point to the injury sure but that's not all of it everything is falling apart and Perry, I remember two weeks ago after the Washington game, you and I were sitting here and saying, you know, what happened? Matt LaFleur maybe still deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think two weeks later, we'd agree. I don't know that he does anymore. Uh, really? We, that that he deserves the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. No, I don't think he does anymore. I, I, I've i seen no adjustments, and that's something we've gotten on him about, I think, most of his tenure, right? The, the second half adjustments. Haven't seen that. And uh, I... I, I don't know. It's just we, we are so used to seeing and, – and, Perry, this is one of your terms. I'm going to steal from you that you've said about Matt LaFleur is things that he does early sets it up for later, right? Haven't seen that this year. Haven't seen two straight drives since the Tampa Bay game where you're like, yes, you could maybe make the case in this Detroit game, but they both ended in interceptions. But so, those weren't Matt LaFleur's faults. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. Matt LaFleur for this loss at all. The offense no, was actually no, like but moving. Can you blame him for the losing streak? I think absolutely is yeah. more my point. Right? Yeah. And yes, Rodgers has played awful for his standards uh, and mediocre at best in terms of NFL quarterbacks. Uh, Andy just ran through Jared Goff's st- stat line. I said, yuck. I'm glad we didn't run through Rogers because I'm going to be puking over our, our over this Zoom session we're doing right now, right? Because uh, I was watching NFL Red Zone in the afternoon slate. It said leading passers. Rogers was listed second because he had 291 yards, but they didn't mention the three interceptions. Uh, yeah, no, it was. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm having a full blown meltdown. Uh, everything's <laughs> bad. Everything's bad. I just, I'm, I'm just not used to this because you think Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he will cure. Some of these offensive problems we knew, as as Perry mentioned, right? Luke Getzey goes to Chicago. Nathaniel Hackett go, goes to Denver. You think, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, you're fine. 
and you just aren't. I'm I'm just lost. I'm I'm total. Everything's over my head at this point. I, I'm I'm just lost. I want to come back to Rogers in a second because I think there's still yeah. more meat on that bone that we need to discuss. But um, this is another thing that I very much was keenly aware of in this game. And and when you say everything sucks, every single time that something good happened in this game, every single time. Just when we're about to get excited, Alan Lazard, big, big catch down the sidelines. He's going to get in the end zone. He's down at the one. They go four and out. They turn over the ball. All right. Jair gets an interception. They immediately throw an interception two plays later. Tamari Toure gets the insane fourth down catch. Even that, he like fumbles. And you like, you can't really take yep. the joy of this amazing, incredible Samori Toure catch because he, he almost single-handedly lost the game by fumbling the ball right after it. You, they finally get like a bizarro missed extra point. A ball actually bounces their way, and the Lions miss an extra point. And maybe that, you know, is the just the th- nope. Jair Alexander, for the first time ever, there's actually a defender within the realm of the kicker. And of course, he missed it anyway, and it's running into the kicker. Uh, in it, Kingsley Nigbari, beautiful sack, beautiful, beautiful sack. Like we can celebrate, nope, just an, a dumb, awful, <sighs> stupid, not real life roughing the passer penalty. Alan Lazard, huge fourth down catch, like, like just absolute absurd. Nope. That, that actually hit the ground. Like just when you have that moment of like, okay, things are going to, nope, nope. Things still suck. And like, there were also times where like things were get going and then Rashawn Gary's hurt. You things get going. Oh, no. Aaron Jones is hurt. Oh, things are getting going. Oh, Eric Stokes is hurt. Like every single time that something good was about to happen or did happen, like it just was like a stab to the heart. Like we couldn't have anything nice in this game or in this season. And the moment you think just for a second that you can, you know, really sink your teeth into something that was like a little bit palatable. It's like, you know what? Nope. It's still as bitter as I thought it was. And that was maybe the most frustrating aspect of this game is we had nothing to take away and be excited about because something bad constantly happened after it. I want to get back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Perry. I was going to say it's, it's one step forward, two steps back for this team. And I don't blame some of the guys for their attitudes. It just, if I was them, I'd be so deflated by this. Now, obviously as a professional, you kind of have to like dig deep and find something in you and turn this around. But this was the first game where I was like, I get it. I get why this energy isn't there. I get why this team feels so dejected because it just, like you said, like it can't, they can't, no matter how hard they try, because they tried in this game. They really, really did. It didn't even matter. The effort didn't matter. You may start noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Now, why call this water liquid death? Well, mostly because it's going to brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. I have a can of liquid death right here and I'm able to open and take a drink from that. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it looks just like water. One thing that I actually like to do is have people that don't know it's water. So you just give them one and they think they're getting a beer and all of a sudden it's actually better for them. It's a nice given thing of water. Their help. You can drink it at 9 a.m. You can drink it at school. You can drink it at drink it in public. Do whatever you want with this little bottle of goodness right here. Go get your liquid death today at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or just find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash pack a day we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, there's there's so many pieces that are just working against each other. And it's, like, it's just unbelievable to see where this team is at. I want to go back to Rogers, though, because... I've, I've stated pretty clearly that where I was at with Rodgers going into this game was that if you're like, for those who are thinking that like, all right, Rodgers is just terrible. And like, he's the reason they're losing. I, I disagreed with that. I thought he's been kind of like you mentioned earlier, Perry, like he's been fine, average, slightly below average, wherever in that realm, but not usually the reason that they've been actually losing games. Now you can argue, Hey, if you're making 50 million per year, highest paid quarterback and all of that, that like, if you're below average, average anywhere in that realm, then actually you are a huge piece of, you know, what's to blame. That's fine. We, I, I'm certainly willing to listen to that argument, but I thought if you're just evaluating his play, I thought it was like you said, just mostly kind of inconsistent average, whatever. And there was a lot of things going on, not Rogers. That's the person to blame, but certainly not the person that we expected to get them over the hump and to really elevate everyone around this team to make them better and actually win football games. That's where I was at prior to this game. And I still believe that to be true prior to this game, but this game was on Aaron. Like there's no two ways about it. This, this defense certainly played good enough to win. Uh, the, there were receivers open throughout the course of this game. Offensive line did not run block. Well, weren't exactly put in positions to run block. Well, uh, Detroit kind of stacked the box a lot and, and just didn't give them a lot of opportunity. Um, but uh, overall I thought they passed protected very well. I think Rogers was sacked one time if memory serves Overall, and I'll go through the grades this week, of course, but like overall at first glance and second glance, this seemed to me like a not exactly like exhilarating performance, but a winning performance by everyone not named Aaron Rodgers for the most part. Overall, Aaron Rodgers throws obviously the interception off of a a linebacker's face mask. I want to see the all 22 on this because it seems to me that if he leads Lazard, I don't think that linebacker's face should be in the way. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem, I'll, I'll wait till the all 22 comes out to see that end zone angle, but it doesn't seem to me that that linebacker's face should be in the way that much where he couldn't have avoided it in some capacity. We shall see, but either way, uh, probably should have handed it off either way. just wasn't a great throw, right? Obviously the, the throw to Bakhtiari really bizarre play call, not ideal, probably not what you want in that situation at the same token, dude's wide open. Um, so that's a throw that probably 2010, 2011, Aaron Rodgers probably hits with some ease. And we're all celebrating that David Bakhtiari scored a touchdown. It's maybe a galvanizing moment. And, but no, it's an inter, not only is it not completed, it's an interception, um, woefully, woefully underthrown. Samori Toure, another opportunity for us to get a great glimpse of this young and promising and exciting rookie wide receiver beats the corner, beats the safety is striding to the touchdown, and it's underthrown. And that should have been seven. Rodgers knew it immediately after because he did uh, some sort of crazy mad at myself dance that I've never seen him do before. Uh, I'm, I'm even trying to like, then obviously you've got, you know, some shot plays at the end of the game that don't work. You've got um, obviously the interception to Tunyon, which was a terrible decision and terrible throw. That, that, there's 24 points right there on two red zone interceptions, um, a, a missed touchdown to Toure, and then, a bad throw into double coverage on Tunyon when you're already in field goal range at that point. That's 24 points off the board, arguably just due to Aaron Rodgers. How about the sack when Rodgers or when Lazard and Tunyon are both are wide, wide open. open? That's another one. Yep. Like, like, just watch the like. Just watch. Look. Look down the field and go through your progressions. Like if you if you're if you watch the field and go through your progressions on that play. And you see like either one of them, Tunyon, Lazard, wide open. And he's, he's just not seeing it. And it or, is 
Or if you want to do what you he says he wants to do, which is he wants his guys to go off script with him, you had plenty of time, even if neither of those players were in your progressions, to just get them the ball. You have eyes. You can see them. And they're your two guys, right? Those are your guys that you have this, like, special connection with. Like, who cares where they are in the progression? You had 10 seconds to get them the ball down the field, but instead you run around and take a sack. And there's, like – it's touchdown check down, right? If you're a quarterback, you're going touchdown check down. And then you've got two guys, Lazard and Tunyon, your guys who are running wide open down the seam in the field, very much look like he had the time and the vision to be able to throw that ball doesn't. And even if you need to get to your check down, because I know he knows where it is, AJ Dillon wide open on the check down. And instead it's a sack for a huge loss that Rogers, probably not the one a to blame for the most part through uh, eight games this season. Rodgers, this is this game's on him uh, in, in game nine. No question about it. Yeah, game number nine. He was remarkably, I mean, really all season he's been remarkably underwhelming, right? And I said it earlier, but let me reiterate, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is a guy who you expect to cure a lot of ails. He, he covers up uh, a lot of problems with your offense, typically. And there is a lot of problems with this offense, very evidently. Uh, but unfortunately, he's become one of them. Uh, uh, not the biggest throughout the season. But in week nine, he was. And uh, when you're reading as much cap room as he is, and we talked, Andy, you did at least a a bit earlier about the lack of talent put around him. There's certainly a case to be made that that is a reason why or part of the reason why. Um, But but yeah, week nine was just unbelievably bad. Uh, I could not enjoy a second of this game. It's just we're officially at the point of where do we go from here, right? And I saw a lot of calls for Jordan Love on Twitter mid third quarter Perry I see you smiling did it ever cross your mind Jordan Love on Sunday it's crossed my mind not in this game because I think that this is like a really I don't know if we want to get into this or not but um I think it's good just a really delicate decision and that's kind of what I meant at the beginning of the show when I was like the Packers are in a really really bad spot right now in terms of like what they do with the rest of the season and then like the decisions that they have to make in the offseason because for whatever it's worth and how bad we're talking about he's playing like Aaron Rodgers is still your quarterback and you cannot just simply bench Aaron Rodgers right you just can't do that right <laughs> and at the at the same token like if he's losing you games at the at some point you're going to have to say well we have this fifth year option coming up for this guy he's barely seen any snaps he was our first round pick we have to decide what we have in him and if our season's lost like this is the time to do it but there's just so much politics involved with that that i don't know like what that decision looks like and then on top of that, you have this thought that like maybe this is Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay. And so you don't want to pull a whole like Eli Manning situation here where that's how he goes out. That just feels gross. So there's literally no good decision here. There's just absolutely wow. like no good pathway forward. The only pathway forward that feels remotely okay is if somehow Aaron Rodgers starts playing like the player we know he is and starts like leading them to wins. But I think at this point it's still a lost season. And then you're doing yourself a disservice for not getting some Jordan love time in because you still need that. It's just a bad spot. Just had a crazy stat that came across my feed that I had to double check to see if it was true. The Packers last win was October 2nd. The Brewers last win was October 4th. Oh my God. The Brewers have a win more recently than the Packers have a win. That is a true stat that has actually happened. Um, yeah, just a reminder, though, the Brewers didn't make the playoffs. The Packers aren't going to do that either. So, uh, <laughs> Very true. Just, just figured I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, fun times. All right. Let's. Uh, I want to ask you about this. Uh, this is probably another just super painful discussion point as well. <laughs> um, what do you do with David Bakhtiari at this point? Because I want to start by saying not – not on David. Like, I don't know what more you can ask him to do. Like he's obviously trying to gut things out and play, but it, it doesn't help. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what I want to say because like, I love David Bakhtiari when he's in, he's playing good football. This is not like you put him in and he's being a detriment to the team. When you get him in, he's being their best offensive lineman. So like, it is a benefit to have him in the game, but like also psychologically, to be like, all right, box in, we're good to go, and then box out. And then, like, two-minute drive, Bakhtiari's back in. And, like, 
if I had to guess, I would say like, all right, he probably isn't good enough to play and he's gutting out the final two minutes to like, just try to get this team a win and do everything in his power. That's probably the case. But like at some point, I just don't even know how you navigate that. And maybe you just keep doing what you're doing and you just take whatever you can get out of them. But like, I feel bad for him. I feel awful for him first and foremost, but like, I just don't know that it's doing your team a ton of service. If, if you have this player that's in and out of the lineup, like, I don't know, Perry, I'll, I'll let you take it. I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think that some of the difficulties and the inconsistencies with the offensive line, like probably stem from David Bakhtiari having this odd rotational snap count, right? Like everything about the offensive line is about continuity and he's your anchor. And so when he's going in and out, sure, it's great that you have depth that can pick up the slack, but it totally changes the way the five play together. And I think it also probably totally changes the way Rogers feels about his protection. So I agree with you. It's a weird mental issue. I, I just don't know what you do at this point, because if he's healthy enough to play some, you prefer him out there. But at the same time, if you're pushing him and it's not going well, like he's on the exercise bike for almost an entire half. So obviously his knee is bothering him. Just like at what point are you like, shut it down for a bit and rest? I, I, I the next question, right? Is, is right. Like, do you shut it down now? Especially when, if the season doesn't matter, like I'd almost, and I know it, I'm not in the camp of like, the Packers should move on from David Bakhtiari at all. I think they need him and they've paid him and they should keep him. So if this is going to be like a lost season, like don't cause further damage to him, that seems ridiculous. And just like let the same five guys out there stay out there together. Alex? Huh, it's complicated. I mean, we're asking <laughs> a lot. Complicated. Yeah, I was just about to say, we're asking a lot of questions. I have zero answers for today, Andy. Tough, tough show for me. Um, I, I, what are the options? Can we work through this together? Right. Obviously what Perry recommended is one option. You shut him down for the season, hope it's better next year and hope he's, hope he's back to 100% and the David box of old, what'd you hope for? What are the other options? Uh, you know, is, is it a short term IR? Is it, it, it like keep doing what you're doing, right? Like it's probably you keep doing what you're doing and he's when he can play, he plays when he doesn't, he doesn't. And this might just be the new reality of David Bakhtiari of like, Hey, he's not going to be able to give you every snap. He's not going to be able to give you every game. He's going to give you what he can when it feels good. He's going to play when he's not, it's not going to like, this just might be the new reality. Um, the other option, like Perry said, is just shut it down for the year and just say, um, you know, Hey, let, let, hopefully it gets better next year. Give it more rest, give it more time. And, see what happens um, or at least don't do any more damage to it. The option for him would obviously be retirement. If he doesn't feel like he can just beat David Bakhtiar anymore. Um, I think those are probably your, the other option would be like, until you get that notice that the Packers are officially eliminated from the playoffs, you keep him going until that point. And then at that point you just say, all right, we're shutting things down. Like this season's no longer in play. And the Packers make that decision from a financial standpoint of like, Hey, we've got a ton invested in you. Yeah. We're not putting you out there when you're not hundred percent. If we have nothing to gain. Um, I think those are probably the options. I don't know if there's much other. Yeah. So, thing- go, ahead, oh, go ahead, Alex. No, well, I was just going to say contractually, I was curious how it works because I think there has to be a very serious conversation at the end of this year, no matter how the rest of the year plays out with him you know, the, what's the return on investment here? It's not a good one, right? If he's only on the field half the time. Um, so I don't know how it breaks out contractually. Can they just part ways? What's the repercussion on that? That's all over my head. I don't know if either of you have the answers, but Perry, uh, you can go ahead with what you were going to I agree. In. I totally agree with you because there's always a financial component to this, especially right. when you're looking at like the grand scheme of things of what this team is going to have to deal with in this off season and like the coming couple of seasons. But no, my, what I was going to say is, this whole like snap count thing, this isn't normal for an offensive lineman. This isn't like a wide receiver when Robert Tunyon was coming back from his ACL. And that makes sense in an offensive rotation, like offensive linemen don't rotate in and out. This is not, that's not the way this position works. And like, I don't think that that is a viable long-term solution. Like that should have been a short-term solution. Now all of a sudden we're halfway through the season and it's still going on. And I just think that's not, it shouldn't continue. 
the the Packers decision with Bakhtiari is legitimate in the offseason. So um, he's set to have a cap hit of 29 million next year and then 32 million in 2024. Um, assuming they don't do a June uh, first cut, which they usually don't do, and there's not really a ton of advantage to doing it anyway. Although if they try to go for it one more season, uh, which seems a little bit silly as we discuss it here today on November 6th, um, they could go in that direction. But ultimately, uh, they would have a $23 million dead cap hit uh, next either next year or split between the next two years. They would save $6 million at minimum on the cap next year, and then they would save $32.9 million the following year. So there is a significant financial savings over two seasons uh, if they were to cut him in the offseason, and they will very much have to decide if they want to go in that direction or not. And again, to be very abundantly clear, when David Bakhtiari is on the field, he has been very, very good at this. He has been. Yeah. So if you think that you are going to get the good David Bakhtiari for – those two seasons, very much worth probably the investment. If you have legitimate concerns over his ability to play a full season and help you win football games, then there are, you know, what did I say? 30, uh, 38-ish million, 39-ish million reasons why you may want to go in a different direction. So not, again, very heavy topics, not easy decisions. This is the reality that we're going to have to live with as Packer fans is there are going to be some extremely difficult decisions and moments over the next couple of seasons because the Packers have borrowed a lot of money from future salary caps and they're going to have to make some, some tough cuts at times. And those are going to be very difficult pain points. Players like Aaron Jones, Adrian Amos, David Bakhtiari, um, players that, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, the decision's going to have to be made on both sides of things. Like these are not going to be difficult or not going to be easy decisions. And it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. A um, couple quick things before we get out of here. I do want to talk about this defense really quickly, at least because it's an, it's just an interesting game for the defense, right? So they allow 254 yards of offense. That's good. That's very good. I don't you know, like the Lions have actually been fairly potent at times on offense. So 254 yeah. yards, that's good. They allow 15 points. However, how I look at the like defensive is like, what were their net points, right? All right? So they allow 15 points, but really it should have been 14 because the special team snafu and really maybe even 13 if the extra point is missed. But like, let's just say it should have been 14 points on the defense. They get the interception that gives the offense the ball at the 23 yard line. That should be, that's basically the defense gifting the offense at least three points. So that's three points that I credit to the defense. So like I would give the defense a net 11 points against their uh, bottom line in this game is how I would view that. That's good. That's, that's like really good. I, like, I don't care if you're playing the Lions. Like that's going to win you football games the vast majority of the time. Now, the one thing that I would argue is that this defense has the ability to be bad at the most inopportune times. You are 0-0 uh, going into halftime with the Lions having the ball. And it would be great. It would be really great. It'd be really nice if you'd like, maybe the Lions score a field goal on that drive before halftime, but it'd be really great if you just don't allow eight points before halftime. But instead they get eight points right before halftime, which makes everything just a little bit worse going into halftime. And, you know, you know, just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So not ideal there, but more importantly, Packers finally get a touchdown. They make it eight to six. And you are finally gaining a foothold in the game, finally gaining some momentum. And this has been the classic Packers in almost every game this season. They cut it to eight to six and the defense allows immediately a 13 play 70 yard touchdown drive to make it a two possession game. The defense was good. There's no, it's very hard to debate that they were bad in this game, but like at the, the key moment, specifically right after you make it eight to six, to allow a 13-play, 70-yard touchdown drive that makes it a two-possession game was just a killer. And it's just when we talk about playing complementary football and we talk about helping each other out, like just in those key moments, this defense folds and falls flat. And it's just so disappointing because they really played well outside of those th- those two drives, but they happen at the most inopportune times. I've been saying this all season. Like, the defense is so fickle. That's, like, the only way I can describe them. It's the only word I think that, like, fits them. Because you're right, Andy. They On paper, you look at the stats of this game, and you're like, defense did everything they can. And I do think, you know, it's really hard for this defense to keep this team in games when the offense can't score points, right? Maybe that giving up that long touchdown drive doesn't matter so much if the offense can actually respond right and they have points on the board but so I just think like 
I don't, I feel like our expectations are in a really wonky place with them. Yeah. They also yeah. almost I mean, look like, at. Yeah. You can't blame the defense for this one. No, right? I don't. I'm not saying no, I don't know what, I mean. what you're saying. I just like, it's really hard to judge them at all on their performances ever because yes, like you can point to certain drives and say, Oh, I wish you hadn't, but the other team's going to score. And so it's not really on them to be like winning football games. For me, the killer was the end of the game. And I know that the Packers had two minute, they had a two minute drill. They had all their timeouts. So theoretically this offense should have had enough time to score. Right. But this offense has not been able to score unless they're doing like six minute, eight, 10, 12 play, like long drives. They just, they, that's what they need in order to get into close to the end zone. If not, maybe in the end zone. Um, And they just can't do the hurry up. And unfortunately the defense just like allowed the lions to take off a lot of chunk of time off the clock. And this offense being as bad as they are, just couldn't, they couldn't finish off the game. They literally ran out of time because of that. Offense is extremely hard for this team it's right so now. Hard. It's so weird. If you look it's at so even, weird. and I've, I've said this the last couple of weeks, even if you look at their touchdowns, right? The touchdown in this game is Alan Lazard, um, like with Rogers fading away that had to be placed absolutely perfect because Jeff Okuda has fantastic coverage on the play. There's no level of separation. Like I, I, I did, there was no like next gen stats on the play, but like, if you looked at it, like the, the probability of like completion was probably like 14% or something. Like even when they do something good, it is ex- like, it takes like a painstaking amount of effort to like make some spectacular play happen because nothing is easy for this team at all. And when you lack playmakers, when you lack explosivity, when you lack somebody who can just get the ball in their hands and go, you know, 80 yards at any given moment, when you lack somebody who can take the top off of a football field. And when you lack the ability to get 50, 60, 40 yard touchdown plays, that's, what's going to happen is every, every drive has got to be a, you know, touchdown or like an 80 yard touchdown drive. And that just makes things extremely complicated, especially when also you get down there and it's, you know, off of a player's face mask, throwing to David Bakhtiari and throwing into double coverage to Robert Tunyon and the list goes on and on. So, yeah. All right. Packers have Cowboys, Titans, Eagles in their next three games. Cowboys at home, Titans at home, Eagles on the road. Perry, is there anything positive we can talk about before we get out of here? Alex, do you have any positives we can talk about? I I got nothing. I don't want to watch these games. I I think if you want to do it, um, Maybe the Titans, uh, even though it's a short, so, but it's a short week. So maybe not, Um, but (laughs) you know, that like, that's the me, if I'm looking at this, like it would be great if they went one and two in these games. But to me, this is a bad football team and they're about to go into a stretch of games against good football teams who are more than likely going to beat them. Yeah, the, the funeral procession continues the next couple of weeks. Holy crap. Uh, you get the Mike McCarthy revenge game, and then as Perry mentioned, you get the Titans on a short week. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, earlier in the season, we were looking at, at – we kind of segmented the season, right? There was like that four-game stretch leading into the Bills, and then it was the Bills game, and then we saw this stretch. Thought it would be tougher. They might lose eight games in a row, counting these next three. Like, legitimately, this, this is a, not a good football team, as we continue to say. I don't feel good about Dallas. I think they're a better football team on paper than the Green Bay Packers are. On a short week, anything can happen. I mean, they're probably similar level to the Titans who are playing as we're recording. And the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. So this might be an eight-game loss streak, which is just so incredibly difficult. And I keep saying I don't get it, and it's weird. It's so incredibly hard to comprehend when when Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are, are both still – Good. We at least we thought, right? I mean, it's just this this run has been so odd. They can't get out of their own way. It's been an unbelievably odd funk. And uh, to answer your earlier question, Andy, no, I have nothing positive to give you out of uh, out of the last uh, about month and a half week. It's going to be an interesting week at twelve sixty five. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how the Packers respond to this. This is one of those losses that. I think is going to gain the attention of those within 1265 to a very serious extent because fifth straight loss to that Lions team in that fashion is more than concerning. 
And as you mentioned, Alex, uh, not one to like call for anyone's specific head. I don't want people fire. Like it's not, it's not fun. Um, these are people's jobs. I would just yeah. wish that they would, you know, win every game instead and go win a Super Bowl. That'd be a lot more fun to talk about, but, Correct. um, these are losses that I think catch attention. Lions fired their defensive backs coach last week when things went really, really ugly. Their defensive backs played a little bit better in this game. Wouldn't shock me if there was some message sent this week. Again, not necessarily advocating for it, not necessarily hoping for it. And I don't know if it's a player. I don't know if it's a coach. I don't think anything major is going to happen. I don't think there's going to be a coordinator, a coach, a GM, anything like that out of a job. Um, but this is one of those losses that, you know, kind of, shakes up a franchise a little bit. And I'm going to be interested to see what, regardless of what happens, how the Packers respond to this one. I feel like we've been talking about that a lot. How do the Packers respond to this? How do the Packers respond to this? Well, they just got punched in the freaking mouth for the fifth straight time, arguably by the weakest puncher uh, in the entire league. And uh, they're, they're teetering on being completely knocked out. So we shall see once again, how they respond to this one. Perry, where can we follow you on Twitter and uh, find packs? What she said. Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Maggie and I have our twice weekly episodes recap and preview. So if you want more thoughts, um, Maggie's the smarter of the half anyway, so you can listen for her. Um, she'll be on a little bit of a maternity leave coming up, so we're also going to have some fun guests in her absence. So yeah, come check us out. Make sure to do that. Alex, where can we find your work? Uh, at Alex underscore Strofe on Twitter, but we continue the funeral on Monday. Join me uh, 12 to 1 on ESPN Madison, 100.5 in the area. On the high noon hour as we continue to try to make sense of whatever the hell happened uh, on Sunday. Andy, I say to you, what the hell? What the hell indeed. Perry, Alex, I appreciate you greatly. These are always amazing chats, win, lose, or draw, or anything else. Uh, make sure to go follow both of their work. They do tremendous jobs. So follow them both on Twitter and uh, support them whenever you can. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. And please, 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 please make sure to vote. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.